Thanks to Betterment for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Betterment was built to help you make sense of what to do with your money, no matter your financial experience. While investing involves risk, Betterment's technology can help you grow the money you have and set financial goals for the future. So get started by downloading the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. All right, let's get to the show. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host with the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is episode 104. For all of you who have been here from the start, from the middle to the beginning, or till now, just now, is this your first time listening to this podcast? Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. This show is also all about you all to be a participant, to contribute. All you got to do is record a voice memo, no matter your phone, whether it's Apple, Android, BlackBerry, (laughs) Motorola coming around. Record your voice memo, and then all you have to do is send it out to AppleBitsShow at gmail.com. That's AppleBits with a Z. And then one other order of business, you can support this show at Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. I'm completely 100% independent. I would greatly appreciate your help. This supports this podcast, the other stuff that I'm doing, all the videos pretty much keeps me going. And if I've given you any value overall this time, or you're learning something, you're gaining something from it, it starts at $2 per month. Maybe I'm worth a cup of coffee for you, $5 a month. We have 10, 25, $100 levels, different rewards, different benefits, early access, and the biggest thing, 100% free, ad-free versions of the show. So you hear none of me blabbling about this, but thank you again for everyone that continues to support this show at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's get right into it. And there's a lot of things going on, a lot of little stories. We've also obviously have product rumors. I mean, this is a short week because I was gone at CES. I did that show about three days ago. So we're jumping into another show. I've got a whole lot of news and stories for you. So we're going to start with a big thing that's actually happening today. This is January the 17th. It's a Friday. And right now, executives from multiple companies are attending a congressional hearing to basically testify in an ongoing antitrust inquiry that's involving major tech companies like our lovely fruit company, Apple, Amazon, Google and Facebook. So some of these companies are PopSockets, Sonos, Basecamp, and Tile. And what they're trying to do is provide evidence that basically says these tech giants, they're starting to become a little too big and their practices or the policies that they're doing maybe behind the scenes are stifling competition. They're only benefiting these big companies and it's hurting these smaller company sales who are honestly part of the ecosystem that contributes to this whole ethos that is the tech world and especially the Apple ecosystem. Now, Tile specifically, they do have some beef with Apple. We know that we've heard all the stories of Apple's own Apple tracker, what they may call AirTags, and will most likely put a lot of, not only pressure on Tile, but arguably, I don't want to say put them out of business, but make them a whole lot less significant other than people who have already committed into the Tile ecosystem, which is honestly an amazing product for what it does, using Bluetooth um, location tracking little tags with Tile and using iOS and your phone. So what they are saying 
is that Apple's iOS 13, specifically their Bluetooth and location tracking, have hurt its business, and that Find My, the actual app from Apple, resembles the Tile app a lot. Also, Apple's made changes in iOS 13 with their privacy policies and how it affects third parties like Tile. So for example, if we look at what they've done, let's say you're Apple and you want to find my, right? You have different products. Well, being able to access that basically API or hook is enabled by default. But if you're a third-party company, you have to get user permission for location access, which is right pretty much buried in the smartphone settings. Then it also has to be reauthorized regularly with follow-up reminders. That doesn't happen if it's a product that is native to the Apple ecosystem like Find My iPhone, Find My Apple Watch, Find My iPad. You never get a permission that says, oh, just a reminder, do you still want to give access to this? That's all just smoothly integrated into it. So that makes it difficult as well. We know that Tile, all the reports were, and I felt bad for Tile, is that once we heard about these air tags, it was a big, uh-oh, because this is a pattern that Apple has done as they've built out their ecosystem, which has major benefits. They'll make certain apps that were third-party apps that became really popular completely obsolete. They'll take companies and integrate some of their products and basically make it part of their product mix and make them obsolete. And Tile's in danger of this because the big thing is that AirTags, Apple's rumor trackers, they're going to be a lot more accurate because they're using the ultra-wideband spectrum, which allows people to pretty much locate a product within less than a foot of where they are. It's very specific. It's the ultra-wideband chip that is in these iOS products. Now, we know that it's in the iPhone 11 Pro series. It's not active or anything. But what Apple has done is also not given access to third-party companies for their ultra-wideband chip that is a lot more specific for finding things like devices that have it. So if you're Tile, and maybe Apple can say, oh, we haven't opened it up right now because it's not available to use yet. Okay, fine, maybe. But what's to say that Apple's going to all of a sudden let every third-party company take advantage of getting access to the ultra-wideband chip? They're not. So this is one of the arguments that Tile is trying to really save their business. But also, it's a fair complaint, and I felt extremely bad because some people, I read in the comments of certain articles, people are like, oh, well, Tile should do it better. Tile should do it better. I'm sorry, but Tile really created this space and this market, and the least, the smallest thing that Apple could do is help them out and at least give them access to these APIs and these and the chip so that they can at least have a product that's comparable. The reality is that once Apple releases AirTags, someone like my mom, someone like my sister, they don't even know what Tile is. They really, you know, they don't. But every Apple, every super techie person at least has an idea of what Tile is. Um, I think there's another company called Tracker, like T-R-A-C-K-R, that did similar things. But the general, the mainstream consumer that Apple really targets to, they have no idea. And when they're going to hear about this, guess what they're going to buy? They're going to buy the AirTags. Just like over time, I ended up just being, eh, I'll just buy an Apple iPhone case. When I used to buy tons of cases from other companies, which by the way, my leather iPhone 11 Pro case already like nicked and started peeling the bottom. 
That's just trash. Okay, that is a trashy. Tra- I, I think what you pay fifty bucks for that. Yeah, I'm not down with it. That's a bad apple. Boo! Not acceptable. Not acceptable. So we'll see how this trial pans out. Again, pop sockets, Sonos, and it's not just Apple that they're targeting. Uh, they're complaining about Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook, and how they, as companies, which have the right to do what they want to do but are becoming too big and too powerful and affecting their business. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Okay, that was might have been a more boring story. I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting because this we're going to see how this plays specifically in 2020. I can't wait to see the AirTags. I think they are going to be a superior product, but that is because of the power of the ecosystem, and we can never underestimate the power of the ecosystem. Another kind of interesting news, Apple has acquired artificial intelligence company Xnor AI. It's xnor.ai. Why is this important? Well, this is a company that specializes in on-device artificial intelligence according to GeekWire. So, they have said to be have paid around 200 million dollars for the Xnor AI uh, acquisition. Now, neither company has decided to comment. Apple does acquire small companies here and there, but this is specifically why it's interesting. Xnor AI's technology lets companies run the deep learning algorithms locally on devices that include smartphones and wearables. This is according to the article. Now, why do I emphasize the word locally? Instead of getting these computations and this stuff sent to the cloud, which Siri does, which is why it's slow. I don't know if you have seen the latest Google Assistant demos from Google I.O., but the assistant works natively on the device and it is so wicked fast, it is scary. It puts Siri to shame not only in what it can deliver, how quickly it can deliver, how accurately it can deliver, and then the options that you can do from that. The Google Assistant is a badass. Siri is not a badass. But you see this acquisition and obviously Apple realizes after they saw Google I.O. in 2019, they're thinking, ooh, we should probably do that. We are way behind. And they are. And guess what? They know they are. They're going to try and catch up. They're still selling tens of millions of hundreds of millions of phones. But it's an interesting move to at least see that, okay, maybe we will see an evolution of Siri. Maybe they are taking it seriously. Maybe the hire of John Gian Andrea from Google, who headed their AI division and is now at Apple, is going to try and at least take some big leaps because as Siri as it stands gets just a little bit better here and there. But man, the Google Assistant dominates. It 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 beats it up pretty bad. At least from a for me, a user perspective as well as an accuracy perspective, as well as a data that is relevant and timely and factual and actually correct. It, it beats them on all levels for me. So we'll see what, that, what happens there. If we want to talk new products, Apple is rumored to be developing an iPad Pro with 5G. So do you want an iPad Pro with 5G? This is, I used to be when the first... Apple iPad came out with LTE. I jumped on it. I signed up, okay? I didn't really use it, so I was paying for the service. Now, here's the dumb, the dumbass part about me. I forgot that I had the LTE service on it, okay? I sold that iPad third generation. 
on eBay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I look at my bill. And I'm like, why am I getting this data bill? I don't even know what this is. And I call and I find out a year later, okay, a year later, it was my data bill from the iPad third gen that I had sold on eBay. So someone, whether they knew it or not, <laughs> was getting free LTE service on their iPad third gen for basically a year without my knowledge and without their knowledge. That is stupid. Okay, what was the moral of the story? I don't know. I just wanted to talk about how dumb I was. But bringing 5G to the iPad, I've over time, Wi-Fi is so prevalent that I don't use it anymore. And then if I'm out somewhere, my data contract on my phone allows me to share my phone as a hotspot to my iPad. So I don't, I don't have a need for that LTE service natively on the iPad anymore. What do you guys and gals think about 5G? Here's the thing. The 5G that's rumored to be on the iPad is millimeter wave. And for those of you that aren't familiar with 5G itself, there are basically two flavors of 5G. Ideally, they'll work together. Qualcomm has their X55 modem that provides 5G in these two flavors. One of them is millimeter wave and one of them is sub six gigahertz. And these two work together because millimeter wave typically is more for like an antenna station nearby in a dense urban city area where there's a lot of there's a lot of people, there's a lot of traffic, there's a lot of buildings. That That's where that excels. Whereas this other sub six gigahertz flavor of 5G covers more of the open, suburban, and rural areas. And in those places that neither of those two cover, the idea is that, okay, LTE will kind of fix those patches because it's been around longer. Again, you ideally want both. The report from Digitimes is that this 5G iPad Pro will be using the 5G flavor of millimeter wave. Now, if we want to jump over the phones really quickly, all reports indicate that they'd also don't know if the phones themselves will use millimeter wave or both millimeter wave and six and sub six gigahertz for 5G. So we'll see. But do you like the idea of a 5G iPad? I, the thing I don't like about the iPad is the fact that they're going to put a, they're arguably, according to rumors, they're going to put in you know, the multi-lens camera, which, yeah, is cool, and but it's on an iPad. You know how I feel about iPads used as cameras at major events. I hate it. I hate that crap. It is so bad, and I just feel like it's going to spark the revolution one more time. The revolution never left. It's still there, but it's going to come back even stronger than ever before the the next ipad pro we first heard rumblings that it might come sometime in the first quarter maybe the first half of 2020 initially we thought we might see it at the end of 2019 that didn't happen the last ipad pro with a redesign that was released in 2018 which i have i love there's actually some pretty amazing ridiculous sales that were going on during the holiday season and are still going on but the report says here that we may see this new 5g iPad Pro sometime in the second half of 2020. They don't say if it'll happen before the iPhone 5G, which is also expected to bring 5G. The other thing, if you want to look back at history and see where this falls, the third gen LTE iPad Pro that I talked about that I gave some dude or lady service for for free for a damn year, that came out actually before the first LTE iPhone which was the iPhone 5, 
back in September of 2012. So it wouldn't be abnormal if a 5G iPad Pro came out before a 5G iPhone. Also, we talked about last episode just a few few days ago about this rumored Pro mode that was found inside the developer uh, beta for macOS 10.15.3, I believe. And so that sparked another conversation. Well, if you're going to do a Pro mode to optimize the computer, why not give the new Mac, uh, sorry, new Mac OS a low power mode similar to the iPhone and a lot of people don't need all the oomph of the MacBook Pro and hey let's throttle it let's throttle it down let's remove the Intel Turbo Boost and give us more battery life there's actually a third party app called Turbo Boost Switcher Pro and it's out there and according to this article from uh or according to developer Marco Arment he talks about how by using this utility that anyone can get I think it's around 30 bucks it disables Intel's Turbo Boost on a Mac's processor. So it basically kind of throttles it down so it doesn't run as hot and heavy and isn't cranking away as much. He found that it has increased his 16-inch MacBook Pro's battery life by roughly 30 to 50% and has made it a much better laptop. So he, for the vast majority of the time that he's using his 16-inch MacBook Pro, he's using this Turbo Boost Switcher Pro that disables the turbo boost on the processor and saves juice and it lasts 30 to 50%. I think I think the battery life on those machines are around 10 hours, 10 or 11 hours the last time I recall. So you're telling me you could be getting three to five more hours of juice? That's pretty awesome. So what do you all think? We talked about the pro mode, but now you're getting into this territory where Apple's offering different modes where you can throttle up or throttle down your processor, I I said it in my video this week, it sounds like, it, it sounds kind of like they're acting like a PC. Like, could Apple, uh, what, in the year 2020, be taking a page from Windows PCs? It's been a long time, guys. It's been a long time. They're, they're like, but I love it. I love it. If you put it in an option in the same where you can just toggle on or off, make it really easy, that's cool. And maybe you have it turn off the next day, just in, uh, at least for the pro mode, have it flip off the next day with the low power mode. Just keep it on as long as people want and then just have a little indicator uh, in the top corner so they know at least. All right, other new products. We know so much about the iPhone 12, aka the iPhone 2020. So let me just give you a little brief refresher because it is the new year. I try not to talk about it every show because I could, but then you'd all be pissed off and bored and then you'd be like, I'm not listening to the show no more and I'd love for you to listen to the show. This this is a great show. I need y'all to listen, all right? So here we go. Five phones, new phones roughly for the 2020 lineup. This has been starting to really bubble for multiple reports. It started off with Ming-Chi Kuo, a 4.7 inch LCD screen based iPhone. That would be the whole rumored iPhone SE2 or the iPhone 9, whatever you wanna call it. Then we have the new 5.4-inch OLED. Think of it as like the iPhone 11 Pro right now. Then we have a 6.1-inch iPhone, but not just one, two. Two 6.1-inch OLED screen iPhones. One would have kind of the dual-lens camera a la the iPhone uh, 11, or the yeah, a la the iPhone 11. And then the higher one would have 
the new triple camera and the time of flight sensor for 3D depth sensing in it. So there'd be two flavors of the 6.1 inch and then finally a larger 6.7 inch OLED screen with all the bells and whistles, the triple lens camera with the time of flight and all of these phones would have 5G except for that entry level 4.7. So we're talking about five phones, one LCD screen for the entry level, the rest of them all OLED screens at 5.4, 6.1 and 6.7 inch screen sizes OLED with 5G. So you have that as establishing the base of what we might see and good lord, if that is the iPhone lineup, uh I don't think we've ever seen that many phone iPhones at one time because you also have to factor in they're going to have other earlier generation phones as well. That's never been done before. You're right, Timmy. It hasn't. So Barclays also reports that the iPhone 12 models will have a refreshed face ID system, their front-facing true-depth camera. They're saying it'll be updated and improved on the 12 models, but no specific details were provided. Um, That's like saying <laughs> the iPhone 12 is going to get better. Come on, guys. That's horrible. That is horrible reporting. You know what? You know what that deserves, right? Uh, that's a bad apple. Who's bad? You can't. That's that's garbage. You know what? I'm having a little fun with the stingers today. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to slow my roll on them. I'm getting a little I'm getting a little too trigger happy right now, okay? All right. Thanks again to Betterment for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL and here's an honest question I have for you. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Well, very few of us are exposed to real meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer of us have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical. Just give accessible financial advice that puts you first. So if you're like most Americans and your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you just like beans, earning you next to nothing, Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing always involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and outs of the stock market to start saving more or start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because Betterment knows you have other things to do and it can help you strive for better returns. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. So give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. The iPhone 12 also still expected to feature up to six gigs of RAM for the two high-end models. There's always been big debates in circles about how much RAM does your phone have, whether it's an Android phone or an iPhone. But we know that Apple's OS is more capable capable to run with lower RAM. They don't need it. It's more optimized. It performs better that way. So just because you have a ton, ton of RAM doesn't mean that your phone's going to be all of a sudden so much faster. We've seen just how amazing Apple's chip development has been. So the whole idea of this RAM thing making that big of a difference it doesn't affect me at all. And then we have a story here that was that came out of uh, Macworld's Jason Cross, and he kind of opened up a little can where people started freaking out and talking about, oh, the A14 chip could make the iPhone 12 as powerful as the 15-inch MacBook Pro. And on the tweet tweets, everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, this is awesome. The A14 chip could make the iPhone 12 as powerful as a 15-inch MacBook Pro. And that is cool. 
and I think that is awesome. But I also think that if you recall back in the iPhone 7 Plus, which was, I believe, the A10 at the time, they had already done benchmarks on it, and it already outperformed a 13-inch MacBook or or the entry-level MacBook at the time. Okay, so it already had done that. I know that last year's phone was performing pretty much on the same level as the 13-inch MacBook Pro. And so an A14, putting out this story, I think it's a great headline. It kind of makes people go, wow. But if you have, I'm not saying, well, actually, <laughs> but if you've been paying attention for a while, this doesn't surprise me. It's also exciting. And then I think about, you know what? That is awesome that we could get MacBook Pro performance on a on an iPhone. But uh, you gonna you gonna give me some software apps, bro, for that? Like, are you gonna give me any actual apps that can take advantage of that power? Because I'm an iPad Pro owner since the first generation. Um, it's been four years yet, and I'm still waiting for Apple, my good friends at Apple, to release any kind of pro app, any anything, even so, like anything pro, and they haven't. And so when I see this and I say, hey, the iPhone can do, great, great. I'd rather have a, I'd honestly rather have pro apps that take advantage of this power over augmented reality. That's me. Someone else might say, no, I want the augmented reality games. I would rather have pro apps instead of, instead of using this power just for augmented reality. Macworld's Jason Cross kind of breaks it down. He brings up one of the points that it's moving from a seven nanometer to a five nanometer process, which is really the next big jump. It's not a half step in generation. It's the full next big step. It's going to be able to contain 15 billion transistors. That's more than any device out there on the planet other than large high-end desktops and server CPUs and GPUs. So that's why there is so much power that's going to be packed inside of this chip. Also, if you talk about this trend line for multi-core performance, the trend line is where it is what it is, how the performance continues to jump year by year, how it's trending. And right now, multi-core scores with this architecture, you always hear about the Geekbench benchmark scores. They're giving us a score around 4,500, but based on what this processor is packing, he wouldn't be surprised if this A14 hits somewhere around 5,000. But if you compare that to maybe the landscape of phones and performance, Android phones score around 3,000 on these Geekbench 5 tests. So 5,000 would be huge and pretty much on par with a six-core desktop CPU or high-end laptop CPUs. That's why we're starting to creep into this conversation of the A14 potentially being at a 15-inch MacBook Pro level. The expectation with the more RAM can help boost performance, GPU game performance by about 50%. And also the neural engine would benefit from this. Higher transistors with this five nanometer manufacturing process will help add more of these neural engine cores that Apple talks about that makes their devices smarter and has helped with optimizing performance, but also maybe help with AI. It'll just be able to handle so many more different tasks with this. And Apple's already way, way ahead of the game when it comes to mobile processing performance. We've seen other companies try to catch up, but when you just talk about raw speed and then you talk about their optimizations with iOS, they're the cat's meow. So we'll see how that plays out. 
another story that I think might be important for you all before we take our little break, the AirPods Pro. Now, I don't know about you. I literally said this on my last flight. I said, my AirPods Pro sound different. Am I... Am I kind of am I am I being oversensitive? Because you know how you do that when you have a new product and you kind of overthink things sometimes. I said they sound different on a plane. I felt like they blocked out more sound in the past. I literally said this on my last flight coming back from CES. Well, I didn't know this, and maybe you didn't either. According to a recent report, Apple released a new firmware update back in December 16th. Now, this moved the firmware of them from tw- tw- 2B. 588 to 2C54. Those numbers and letters honestly aren't important. But with this new firmware update, Apple said, hey, we're this is gonna actually help optimize the sound. But in doing so, it looks like that it actually affected the noise canceling significantly. Now, since then, Apple pulled the new firmware update. So not everyone may have updated their AirPods Pro to this latest firmware. If you check the new review site ratings, they actually reevaluated the AirPods with this new firmware and said it showed a fairly significant drop in noise isolation, primarily in the base range, which means if you turn turn on the active noise canceling, the sounds that it doesn't do a good job at blocking out right now or doesn't do as well of a job are like low engine rumbles like you might hear on planes or buses before the update yeah now most of you you probably can't even tell but i i literally could tell i'm like i feel like i'm hearing more than i normally hear so the whole point of this firmware was to improve the performance and frequency response and base accuracy which it appears to have done but in doing so it affected the noise canceling so we're just gonna have to wait for apple to release a new one so ipods pro that ain't pro bro not right now but it's also not going to stop people from buying the damn things. According to a report, Apple sold nearly 60 million AirPods in 2019, grabbing 71% of the totally wireless headphone revenue. 71% of all revenue for totally wireless headphones went to Apple last year. This is according to a recent report from Strategy Analytics. That is just absolutely bonkers. Now, there were reports earlier that Bloomberg said, oh, they were expected to double their shipments year over year in AirPods. And it looks like that pretty much held true. In addition to that, when you talk about just pure volume sales, Apple made up over, just slightly over 50% of just actual units. Okay, so 71% of the entire revenue and 50, over 50% of the total global wireless headset sales. That is domination. That is damn impressive. You know, I always was making fun of the AirPods, but I also was always buying them. You know, I got the, I got the AirPods Pro. I think they're great. Some people didn't like my assessment of them, and that's fine. Like, our ears all hear different things. That's why when someone says, oh, that's not right. Everyone hears things differently. They just do. Like the way that mids, highs, and lows resonate with you are going to be different than someone else. The types of music or genres you listen to are going to be different than someone else. My ears aren't shaped like yours. Mine are a lot better. So AirPods just doing work 
and absolutely dominating the game. All right, we keep on rolling and Fitbit, right? Kind of the rival to Apple's Apple Watch and also Fitbit was recently acquired and purchased by Google. Well, they released blood oxygen monitoring before the Apple Watch. We know that Fitbit kind of started getting wrapping our heads around this fitness and health aspect of these wearables and it was more affordable and then Apple started to just go for the big swoop. Apple now has the EKG reading on the Apple Watch as well. Well, this by doing the blood oxygen blood, the blood oxygen monitoring, this is going to be another great kind of health feature and advancement that we could most likely see coming to the Apple Watch. iFixit even said that it appeared to have the actual capability for this. So blood oxygen monitoring, or known as SpO2, is just something that the Apple Watch still hasn't delivered on. Fitbit users are starting to see some of this data actually showing up in their app that contain the sensors or the feature. It includes the Fitbit Ionic, the Fitbit Versa, and the Charge 3 Fitness Tracker. This is just a software rollout that they did. It does note that the Fitbit app says the SpO2 levels are estimated, so they're not exact exact, but blood oxygen saturation can fluctuate depending on your health. Maybe you have some respiratory illnesses that prevent oxygen being delivered to your cells properly. It can monitor that for you, or if you have any other ailments, even SpO2 levels, they help with recognizing if you're getting more accurate sleep tracking and detecting health issues like sleep apnea. So this is really cool completely folded in and integrated in it. Apple still is most likely just getting the approval from the FDA and they haven't yet. I've got to expect that not now they can just claim another major health feature in 2020 by rolling out SPO2 tracking on the Apple Watch coming, I guess, Apple Watch Series 6. That's what it'd be. So keep your eyes out on that. Matt Catalyst apps. Remember, Matt Catalyst was bringing importing iOS apps over to macOS, this kind of big whole initiative that Apple is pushing for, Asphalt 9. I only do this because one of our guests, Raymond Wong, was like so pissed at me that I didn't care or ever play Asphalt 9. I know it's there. He was raving about it. Well, then he better be the first person to be buying this thing. Asphalt 9's Legends is now available and was one of those initial Catalyst apps that was promoted when macOS Catalina came out. The cool thing about this is that because it's a Catalyst app, you can pick up where you left off. So it's, I guess you could call it cross-platform. You can at least swap between iOS devices when playing it thanks to your cross-platform saves. Kind of cool. Take it on your Go. Take it on your Mac. Go back on the Go. So Asphalt 9 can be downloaded from the Mac App Store for free, and then they have all these in-app purchases and stuff like that. So you know what? I think that's that's kind of a nice way to just leave on a high positive note or not. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to throw this one in. I'm going to tell you a little story. During the Christmas break, remember how I have been ranting and raving about not getting the Apple card, right? Well, not being approved for no damn good reason. I decided after months of waiting just to just for, you know, it's and giggles. I decided just to apply again, and all of a sudden, I freaking got <laughs> approved. It was right before the holiday season. I didn't talk about it on my shows because we had all those interview shows. So I do now officially have an Apple card. I am part of the club. 
Thank you. It was about time. I thought something was wrong with me. I really did. So, you know what? Apple, this is probably the most applicable story of the day that might affect you. Apple Pay promo now offers 50% off of gameplay at Dave and Buster's. Are you kidding me? You know how when was the last time you went to Dave and Buster's? That's a steal. So you're telling me that basically 20 bucks worth of gameplay, you only got to pay 10 bucks. This works up through January the 30th, so you all have about 2 weeks to take out your honeys, take out your friends and act like a boss because you're getting 50% off thanks to Apple Pay or Apple Card. <laughs> I can't even say it. Yes, thanks to the Apple Card with Apple Pay. Yikes. See how new I am to this? I don't even know what I'm doing. Also, just as a heads up, in case you didn't know, that 3% daily cash that initially was only if you made Apple purchases from Apple, now it includes partners like Uber, Uber Eats, Walgreens, Dwayne Reed, T-Mobile, and Nike. Apple says they will have additional partners over time, so the Apple Card is looking a whole lot more attractive. All right. You know how we do it. We got to jump into our phone calls, our voicemails. They're not calls. They're voicemails. Voice memos that you all sent in. Be a part of the show. Record your call. Give me your name, where you're from. Get your question, your comments. Applebitsshow at gmail.com is how you do it. So let's start off with our first call. It's my man, Ray. What's up, B-Song? This is uh, Ray from North Carolina. Um, I'm actually a detective here in North Carolina, and um, I just wanted to get my thoughts on you know, Apple creating a backdoor, I think it's something they should absolutely do, and I think it's something that they could, they have the resources to do responsibly, um, even if it's something as simple as creating a recovery key um, that they house, um, it's not housed on device, uh, and only a- Apple has access to it, um, will only give it out under certain circumstances, um, requiring a search warrant or court order or some sort of legal process. Um, that way it couldn't be exported on device. Um, you know, as far as exports go, you, people are always going to try to export and be successful. And Apple and other companies are already uh, searching people's um, accounts for child exploitation and sending that to law enforcement. So um, I feel like they have the resources uh, to responsibly be able to um, get access to these devices. Um, that's just my thoughts. Uh, keep up the good work. I love the show. Um, hey, peace out. All right. Thanks, Ray, for the call. Appreciate it because also, you know, I know you have a unique perspective here. I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of cases or situations where you're like, dude, we just need to get on that phone. It'll help us out. And I do, I, I honestly see both sides of it. The interesting thing that kind of, followed up from that story last week and thank you so much for calling we, we got another call about the whole privacy thing and if apple should give access or some sort of a backdoor remember a long time ago and we covered it on multiple shows there's actually like this box it's called the gray key hardware box and what you do is you plug in your iphone into it and it does this brute force where it tries to put in every password combination possible to get into the phone And the report says that recently FBI investigators used the gray key hardware box in Ohio to unlock an iPhone 11 Pro Max. 
So the Florida case um, with the terrorists where I believe they were using iPhones or I believe the phones being used were iPhone 5 and iPhone 7. There are The interesting thing is there are tools out there that can do it. Um, the company named Grayshift has never given anyone complete details of how it actually works or how it, you know, how it does what it does. And Apple has always been trying to kind of play catch up with them by changing the software or trying to get rid of some of the exploits that it uses. But it is, so what I'm trying to say is that there is a way to get into the phones. I, I remember, I feel like these boxes costed tens of thousands of dollars, which they should. And they're not accessible to the public, at least not that I'm aware of. But there are still ways to get access to these phones. And for the government to be blaming or kind of putting the pressure on Apple is interesting. But I do see it both ways. I liked your idea, Ray, of if it was possible that somehow, some way, and it could never get intercepted, Apple held a key for certain phones. But then again, look what happened with, remember when Apple had access to like Siri recordings that they weren't supposed to listen to. And then people heard all types of things like drug deals and people getting busy and making that love and all this weird crap. And they were never supposed, and these were like temp users that were filtering through stuff. And that was never supposed to happen. And all of a sudden Apple said, Hey, uh, we're going to, you know what? We're going to kind of stop that from happening and do an opt out. And they only did that because they got caught. I feel like, it's another situation where who who gets access, there's always going to be someone that then has to manage these remote keys. And then one all it takes is someone to get paid off to then access it, blah, blah, blah. It's I think you're on the right track of thinking. But even that to me, because people are stupid and humans are humans, there is always a way where it just breaks down. So ultimately, this gray, gray key hardware box can do the job and you know it almost is trying to make a kind of create this weird pr publicity beef between apple and the government saying apple you should help us out and i just think look it can be done you don't even need them to get it done it's out there so thanks for the call ray next up we've got our buddy glenn calling in hey brian it's uh glenn from albuquerque new mexico on the topic of uh, security from Apple, I definitely agree with their stance of not having a backdoor for the good guys because it definitely would be exploited eventually. Um, and yes, it's a primary reason why I continue to use Apple products. I think they have uh, superior infrastructure plus the way they're locked down. I feel confident more so than if I was on any other platform as far as data security and privacy goes. So anyway, my two cents, um, appreciate what you do. Keep it going. Thanks. Thanks for calling in Glenn. And I got to say y'all are beast because again, we, I only put out the last show like three days ago and I love it when people are quick to react and be a part of the show because it, it just helps. If, if we didn't have any calls about this topic, it'd be like, all right, I love it when y'all call. So keep it going. Apple bits show at gmail.com. You can even call me if you just need a friend to talk to. If you want a personal question asked, if you have a relationship question, I'm actually pretty good at advice like that. So you don't even have to tell us your name, but if you want to ask it and put it on the show, Valentine's Day is coming up. We're in mid-January. It gives you a month to to do what you got to do. Call in. Dr. Love 
Be teasy. Keeping it easy will help you out. Okay, we've got one more call. This one. This one. Hello, Brian Mole, mate. Long-term listener, watcher. Sound like a stalker. Uh, first time ever doing this voice-in thing, but I've just been listening to your show. Episode, no idea. Um, you're talking about something or other. Anyway, point is, you said, if you've got any questions, send them in. Well, I've got a little question. It's more of a dilemma, really. More of a, why is this a thing? Now, I'm currently sporting some AirPods, all right, and I'm currently driving a car. Now, I'm currently wearing an Apple Watch, and I want to do something on my phone. I want to find something, maybe some music or a map location or something like that. And I put this to you. Why do I have to unlock my phone with Face ID if I'm wearing a watch? Surely the watch should know that it's me, and then it should be able to just unlock, shouldn't it? Or what? What do you think? Be keen to know your thoughts on that. Why does my phone require Face ID when I'm literally wearing every bit of Apple product that I think, unless Apple have released some underpants that I don't know about? It's me iPhone, Siri, it's me. Look, you can literally even probably see me with the camera. But no, I have to lean into the screen, illuminating my face, which if you're driving at night is no good. But I'm also taking the eyes off the road. Now, come on, Tim. I've had enough. I bought your watch. I bought your phone. I bought your AirPods. Make my life easier. Do you agree, Brian? I'll be keen to know your thoughts. Listen, love the face. Love the show. Love everything you do. Like I said, I've been following you. I must be a really good stalker because you didn't even know I was alive until this moment. But it's Dan here. Dan from Cambridgeshire in the UK. Check it out. Don't use Apple Maps. Try Google Maps. You're more of a chance. All right, pal. As always, have a nice day and keep up the good work. Over and out. (laughs) Dan, just... Just drop the mic right there. Oh my gosh, that was fun. That was that was passionate, and I felt it, and I loved it. And it was almost a two-minute call, but I didn't care. That's why we put it in the show. Okay, Dan, this is a great, great point you make because for those of you that don't know, if you have an Apple Watch, there's a feature on your MacBook Pro that when you open up your MacBook Pro and if you are wearing your Apple Watch and your Apple Watch you know, you have already unlocked it, so it's been on your wrist for the whole day, and it knows. You don't have to type in your password. You don't even have to do the Touch ID, and your MacBook Pro just unlocks for you, just like that. And I thought about what you were saying, and at first I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's a security issue because you being within proximity of your phone. But look, anyone could just open up your laptop right next to you with you having the phone, with you having an Apple Watch on, and it would unlock. And You make a great point. I don't know what Apple's reasoning is behind it. I think it would make everyone's life a lot easier. Someone might say security. What if they might say, oh, because people steal phones a lot more than people steal laptops, that they don't want someone to just grab your phone and then unlock it right next to you and run away like that? Fine, maybe. How often is that really gonna happen? I don't know. My only thinking is that because the chances or the theft rate of iPhones on an actual person is a lot higher than laptop theft happening because we see how many phones get sold all the time. That is my only reason why they might do it, but I 100% agree with you. It would make my life and your life so much easier, Dan, 
if they just, I got the watch on, I hold my phone, I don't even need to do anything. I would love that. I That might be one of the most underrated features that they could do in 2020 that they won't do in 2020. So I feel your pain, my man, but thanks for the call. That that was the only logic I could think of why they might not do it. Maybe, maybe you all listening have other ideas. Maybe you all have a better idea about it than I do, but you know how to do it. Just call in, voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. And you know, that's gonna do it for this week. We've gotta thank our platinum apples at the $100 Patreon level. Sheesh, I am so thankful and grateful for your support. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Freider, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. thank you so much. I continue to ask to continue to help support the show. And if you can't financially, look, put down that five-star review. We are easily over 1,000 now, which is crazy in, what, a year or so? We're at, what, episode 104. We're at over 1,000 five-star reviews. Also, put in a comment or review. It helps bump it up in the algorithm. Tell your friends and family. We got more stuff cooking. I know CES was a beast, but there are some things that are coming out as well. Just check it out. But thanks again for all your support. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. And again, we will be back here in a week, a short week. You kind of got two shows in a week, which is really cool. And I just appreciate all of the support. So thanks everyone for listening. Take care, everybody. It's the Apple Bits XL. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.